Once it flies, it, it, you know, they do these kinds of things. And it's unethical and it's not right, in my, my humble opinion, but you know what I'm saying. I think if we would allow people to understand that there is a devil who is trying to deceive them into negating their true identity, therefore their true worth and true value in this earth, so that they don't have to go through life uh, you know, trying to prove something that's not true, I think we could work better with people. Because that's where God's love is. God's love comes in to remove lies that are perpetrated by the enemy, told to people through the, the, the voice of the devil. And so when God made us in his image, <clears throat> this somehow was disturbing to Satan. Now we know that he was the anointed cherub that covers, he covered the mercy seat. He was always created to be an angel. Angels are the way they are and people are the way they are. People don't die and go to heaven and become angels. So if some of you got friends that have passed on and they got wings on them, take them pictures off of everything and forget that nonsense because you'll be over there with the new age people thinking that too. You don't become an angel all of a sudden. Amen. If you die in Christ and you go to heaven, you're still, you get a glorified but a human body. You got me? You get a body just like Jesus has. Amen. And he's not no angel. Amen. And so we're higher than angels. The Bible says that. Angels are created as servants to to God and other humans, those made in his image. And so somehow the devil uh, started talking to himself about himself and iniquity was born in him and that caused him to fall he began to challenge God's authority in heaven he said he would exalt his throne up to heaven well he was there already you know that's the first uh, clue that you're deceived is you're trying to do something that's already done just like he told the woman that she would be like God if she ate of the tree well she was already like God somehow he tricked her into believing she wasn't just like he does us you know what I'm saying God tells us I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness and we go around trying to get stuff from people that God's already given us he's already given us who we are he's given us our identity you're okay with him you've always been okay with him now that you received a son you're even more okay with him you got me you can't be more okay by losing weight making more money buying more things getting in more debt you can't be more okay than you've ever been in God's eyes see what I'm saying but yet the enemy keeps us striving to be something that we already have the ability either to become if we desire it or God's already given it to us and it's not a big thing with God the devil makes things big by striving with us over Well, sometimes the more somebody tells you you can't have something, the more you want it. You know, he'll try anything. And so he hates us because we are made in God's image. Genesis 1.26, and God said, <clears throat> let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, cattle, the earth, and everything that creeps upon the earth. So he created man with a purpose. And that is to have dominion, to rule and reign, not to beg and coddle. You don't have to beg anybody for anything. You just have to know God and follow God and obey what he tells you to do. You have authority over your life. You have authority over certain things in the realm of the spirit. And this is what the devil despises. He despises people who know who they are, who accept what God tells them about themselves. If you can accept that, you're a big threat to him because he can't come and tell you who you are. He can't come and change your identity. No matter how much you mess up and how many faults and flaws you have, it does not change who you are. Unless you let the enemy change that. Huh? 
your shortcomings, your misgivings, all of that is known by God. And he loves you anyway. He has a way to work around that, through it, get rid of it, eliminate it, whatever it takes for you to have success. But he is not throwing you to the scrap heap. You understand me? He's not done with you. He's not discarding you. And so the enemy tries to put that kind of nonsense in the inside of us that we're not who God says we are. But we are created in God's image. One of the things that we have that God has is the power of choice. You can choose what you believe. You can choose what you do with your life. You can choose what you think. One of the reasons that God put the tree in the middle of the garden was to prove this power of choice. Adam and Eve were made in God's image and always were. But until they had to make a choice, they weren't totally made in God's image. Now think about it. They were pure. They had his word. They had his spirit. They had fellowship with him. They were naked and not ashamed and not afraid of their nakedness. They had no concept of what iniquity was. And the last crowning thing that God had to place upon them was the power of choice. Until they were in the garden, they never had to choose anything. And until you have to choose something, you're not really totally in God's image. That's why we're going to always have to make choices. Sometimes you say, boy, it'd be so simple if God could just sit me there and just tell me what to do and I wouldn't get in no trouble. Uh-huh. You get in some trouble one way. You know, people find a way to you invent trouble. You know what I'm saying? But you wouldn't be totally made like God. Because until you have the power to decide, because God has a will. And your will decides for you. Your will is what says yes or no. You're presented with options. And your will either sanctions it or your will negates it. So it's good to learn how to say yes to God. He said, choose life so that you and your offspring can live. And so as long as you're consistently choosing life, choosing life, choosing life, choosing life, then you're in line with God's will. You have success coming to you and everything will work out for you because you are choosing the right way. Adam and Eve had choices to make, but until they really examined that tree. Got me? You can't really make a valid choice until you know what you're choosing. So they had to look at it. They had to decide about it. And so as the the devil talked to Eve, every time she looked at it, it didn't look like what it used to look like to her. All you women who want a saved husband, say amen. Amen. And quit looking at Lucius. Oh, Pastor Barb, he's so purdy. I know he's still purdy. But you're going to have to do 17 years to get him in an orange jumpsuit. You understand what I'm saying? Them brothers cost you something. That's just an aside. That was free. Now, I really didn't mean to talk about that. Look at little Howard. <laughs> Rubbing his beard. <laughs> huh? It's the truth. And so, <laughs> I don't know how I got over there. Somebody went to sleep on me. Y'all better wake up around here. <laughs> but you do have to examine things to make a valid choice about things. And how do we examine things? We examine them by the Spirit. The Bible tells us to know nobody after the flesh, know no man after the flesh. So the Holy Spirit is there with us to help us examine things and make the proper choice and stay with the things of God. And so this is what the devil hated. He hated the fact that he was born under, he was created under man to serve man. And man was created in God's image and capable of making decisions, calling the shots, So the devil, through deception, was able to get the man to make a decision on his behalf, thereby putting iniquity, joining us together with him in iniquity. And he's been able to cause all creation to be born in sin and shaped in iniquity ever since. Isaiah 14, 12 shows you how Satan got where he got. Isaiah 14. 
It says, How art thou brought down from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you had said in your heart, this is what happened to him. He said, I will descend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights and the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Amen. And so this is what happened to Satan. He was jealous for what God had. He was jealous for God's position. Instead of adoring God and worshiping God, he coveted God's position. Now, how anybody can get like that, I don't know and I don't care to know. I just want to stay clear from that, brother. You understand me? Because anybody start out in heaven and mess that up, there's a terrible person right there. You understand? So you want to keep your distance. Just keep him bound. Keep him at a distance. Keep him in all those places. Number two reason why Satan hates you is you have received the spirit of adoption. And you can call God Father. Uh, You have a daddy. He does not. He is an orphan. He's a misfit. He's been thrown out of every... You ever see anybody get thrown out of a pay party? Remember them pay parties they used to have, rent parties or whatever? Everybody paid to get in. They didn't care how loud you are, how obnoxious you were. You got in because you could pay that, what, 50 cent or whatever it is, get in there. Well, he is Satan even got thrown out of a pay party. So that's just how bad he is. He can't hold on to anything. But we have Romans 8.15 is what I'm looking for. Romans 8.15. It says in verse 14, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's something Satan can never do, is be led by the Spirit of God. Iniquity will not cooperate with holiness. It just, they just reject and repel each other. Holiness would have to devour iniquity, so he would be burned up on the spot. So he stays as far from holiness as he can. That's why once you get saved, he hides and starts sneaking up behind you trying to get you involved in stuff instead of leading you around like he used to do. Because he knows at any point the Holy Spirit can turn on him and show you what to do to get rid of it, you know. So in Romans 8.15, it says, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. In other words, we've been delivered from the power of fear, the power of darkness, translated in the kingdom of God's dear son and so we have not received that spirit of fear to bondage again bondage to fear you know that when you're afraid of something all you have to do is call on God there are many times we we know what to do when we come up against fear we get in our word and we find something in the word that reassures us, that helps us to overcome it. But fear, you're not a slave to it anymore. You can fight back now. You understand what I'm saying? You have a fight back in you. And so we are not bound to fear. We're subject to be influenced by it if we let it influence us, but we're not bound to it anymore. Those chains have been broken. And so we have received instead the spirit of adoption whereby we call daddy come get me huh remember them days daddy come get me mama come get me somebody come get me but you have that spirit where you know you belong to god and he is your father and he is obligated as a father to take care of you he's obliged to take care of you by covenant he owes you that when he promises you something he owes that to you And so he will deliver you from all fear. He delivers you from all bondage. He, his son, died so his children could be free. Jesus didn't want us bound to anything. Not even to him, even though we are in a sense. Because his love binds us to him in a stronger way than fear ever bound us to the power of darkness. Love is stronger than fear. Love is stronger than hate. Love is the strongest power on earth. That's why many times you'll see people... They start out in the church as small children, teenagers, they start drifting off, get grown, get on drugs, get on this, get on that. You know, 15 kids, 15 different daddies. 
And then when they get gray hair, they back up in the church, sitting on the front row, the mother of the church. Wow, what a testimony. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, it, you know, it's not God's plan for people. Sometimes people just don't know what they have in God. But that love drew them back. It's been always calling them back to God. It's always been called. That's why Jesus said he saves to the uttermost. You know, I don't care what you go through. What you, I'm going to save you anyway. That's my plan to save you and bring you back to God the Father. So we have sonship and heirship. H-E-I-R. If you're a son, you're an heir. And praise God, our daddy don't have just have bills to leave us. Amen. <laughs> I was looking at some crazy show, Strange Inheritance, where people, somebody's leaving somebody something they can't do anything with, you know, but they're stuck with it. And so we, we, but we're not stuck with anything. We have an eternal inheritance in God. You can always go to him with your needs. You can always go to him and expect that he will supply every single need that you have because you are an heir. Heirs don't have to strive over anything. The Bible says this. It says that that by by two by two immutable things, God has been able to give us a strong consolation. See, a strong consolation. It means you don't worry about nothing. See, you're you're consoled. Consoling is more than just patting you on the head. Say, don't worry about it. A strong consolation is something that comes to you in an undeniable fashion. You can't deny. I don't care how many times I tell you that God has said that he is going to bless you. He is going to increase you. He's going to put you in a place where everything you set your hand to prospers. I don't care how many times you try to fight that. Eventually something about it's going to sink in on you. You're going to believe at least a little corner of it anyway. Why? Because he signed his, his promise to you by two things that can never be changed. And that's his oath, which means he swore by himself because he can't find nobody higher to swear by. Huh? And it's signed in his son's blood. It's paid for, which means anything that would have stopped you from inheriting what he wants to give you, that don't matter anymore. Oh, you sinned last night? Really? If you go to him and ask forgiveness, it don't matter anymore. So you might as well say it doesn't even matter anymore because the, uh, the answer for it and the remedy for it's already been done. All you got to do is step into the remedy and quit beating yourself up and acting silly. You know, this is, this is the thing with Christians. We get into these corners where we have been so long away from doing what God really told us to do. You start beating yourself up and, oh, if I didn't do this and I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here. Well, yeah, we know that. That's always been true. That's been true about all of us. But thank God he's made a way for us to get right back in the wheel again. You're never disinherited in God. This is something you cannot be disinherited from. Now, the devil can't say that because the Bible says he lost all his real estate. That's why he's looking for yours to tear it up. Huh? When he got kicked out of heaven, that was his estate. That was what belonged to him. That position as the anointed cherub that covers. But the Bible says he lost that. Hmm? That's why he always was shopping for real estate. Huh? You always see them people, people always buy on every website where it's houses for sale, houses for sale. That's the devil. He always shopping for real estate. And he wants to live in people. Huh? He wants to make his abode in us. Huh? We're looking for a place to live. Huh? And so he knows that we have authority and we have power over all works of darkness. That we'll never lose our inheritance in God. Because the minute we get sick of messing, out, messing around with him and cry out to Jesus, we're right back in the will again. See? We're right back in the will. And so we have strong consolation. That blood that's shed for you is a strong consolation to you. That anything that would stand between you and God does not matter anymore as long as you're willing to confess it and get it out of the way. And let the blood atone for it. That's why you don't strive over things. You don't have to be upset with anybody about anything. What you've got coming is coming as long as you obey God. As long as you worship God and you love God, what you have coming is coming. Nobody can steal that from you. No man can take that away from you. Man's not that powerful. huh? 
don't care how much y'all like Lucius. He can't stay, stop you from getting what God has for you either. Amen? None of them brothers can. You know, this is important to know. People, you know, get married and get disappointed. Everybody's disappointed. You know, married people are disappointed people sometimes. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. People are people. You're you. They're them. You know, get the, get the stars out of your eyes. You know, people are just people. Come on now. You know, you can be all happy on wedding day. I haven't seen it. Two years down the road, it's normal life. Thank God for normal life. Because you don't have the energy, the time, or the interest to keep that nonsense up. No. Them honeymoon shenanigans. Come on now. This is normal life. You go to work. You get dirty. You get tired. You say something you shouldn't say, and you got to ask forgiveness so you can hug each other, love each other, and keep going. That's life, folks. Let's not get, get crazy here. Poppy had lipstick on his lips. I said, ooh, lipstick you got on. It better be my wife. I said, ooh, yeah, that's right. Better be your wife. Huh? That's, that's normal life. You got me? So anyway, how'd I get there? Y'all keep going to sleep on me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get it together here. All right. So you are heirs. It's already been given to you. In other words, you don't have to keep begging God. God, if I don't cuss for three days, can I have so and so? Well, whatever you do, you're still inherited. You understand what I'm saying? If I pay my tithe for like two weeks in a row, can you give me so-and-so? Well, it don't matter. You have an inheritance anyway. You know you ain't going to do it. So quit bargaining with God about being good and trying to get something. You have an inheritance with him. It's laid up for you already. It's been laid up for you before the foundation of the earth. It's got your name on it. And if you get to be a good steward, you can get somebody else's that they ain't obeying God to get. You understand what I'm saying? But work on yours first. You understand? Work on yours first. Jeez. You're heirs because of, of the eternal spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in you. You're always in here. You're always in the will. You know, you can be thinking you're down and out, and then you get in your word, and the Holy Spirit illuminates something to you and tells you, gives you another option to do, another prayer to pray, another some door to go knock on, another somebody to talk to about something, and you're right back in the game again. You're never out. The devil can't say that. He's been disinherited, dethroned, defanged, given a concussion and brain damage. I mean, he's totally messed up. And so he cannot boast of the things that we can boast of, and that's why he's angry at us all the time. So we have an eternal spirit of sonship. We will always be sons of God. Always be sons and daughters of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. The Bible says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed. You know what seal means? It's official. Uh, It's official. You ain't just claiming to be saved. It's official. You are saved. Amen? Reason number three. Your sins have been atoned for and paid for with a very high price. Romans 5.11. What Satan did, as far as sin is concerned, follows him forever. Yours are forgiven. That's why he hates forgiveness. That's why he'll chase you around 15 15 years trying to remind you of what somebody did to you like in the third grade. And they did and you almost on your way. You understand what I'm saying? Keep messing around with him. And, And so he does that. He hates forgiveness because he knows it opens the door to your inheritance again. It opens the door to your inheritance. If you could ever be so wise as to do what God basically requires you to do. See, when you're forgive, you're not being the bigger person. Right. You're keeping yourself out of hell. That's right. yes. Yes. You're doing the minimum. You're just being obedient to the Spirit of God. You're getting that awful feeling of condemnation off of you. So you're really forgiven for your own reason. Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Roberts says unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other guy dies from it. Huh? 
So you don't want to do that. You don't want to live in unforgiveness. And the enemy will try everything he can to keep you remembering how they hurt you and what they said to you. And they don't do me right. All that kind of stuff. He likes that. Why? Because it keeps you out of your inheritance. It keeps you right where he is. So he hates the fact that in Romans 5.11, it says, verse 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, so much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. So you're not just saved. You're reconciled back to God and live his life because his life is now in you. See, this is where you'll split hairs with your little Baptist friends. Because they feel salvation is everything. Well, that was a one-time happening. What are you doing beyond salvation? Have you tapped into the life that you live by the faith of the Son of God? So that's why they don't like us, because we are living the life by the faith of the Son of God, where we can invite people in, we can lay hands on the sick, we can live in the miraculous, and they're just, thank God I'm saved all the time. So one thing is, 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 I mean, it's good to be saved, but you've got to live beyond salvation. And it says how much more now that we are reconciled, that we are saved by his life. So every day you're being saved by the life of God that lives in you. You're not afraid of sinning anymore. You're not afraid of the devil anymore. You're not afraid of anything anymore. He says, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Our sins are atoned for. They were aggressively paid for by Jesus. He purposely went to the cross and died for us. It wasn't an accident. He wasn't just a a dumb lamb being led to the slaughter. He walked there. You got me? He did it under his own power. He did it by his own free will. And that was a demonstration of the greatest love that anybody had ever seen in the world. And the devil hates it. He hates it that that's been given to us and he can't have it. He's nothing but a runaway slave. Ran away from Jesus and ran away from the Father. Huh? Yes. Fell down to earth. No, like Jesus said, I didn't kick him out. I didn't lay a hand on him. He fell on his own. Huh? You ever see people like that? (laughs) Please come to your door. You somebody all bruised up. They fell. You know, got 15 bruises all over in different places. I fell. The same thing happened to the devil. He fell. That's our story. We stick into it. Nobody threw him out of none. He fell himself. He stumbled over his own iniquity. He stumbled over his own pride. He stumbled over his own words. When we mess up, nobody makes us mess up. We do. We fall ourselves. Walk away from God. Number four reason why the devil hates you. We have the wisdom of God. And foil his plans every time. Or we are capable of foiling his plans every time. John, 1 John 2.20 says that you have an unction from the Holy One. That's what he don't have. He wishes he had an unction. I'm telling you that unction is so important and precious. Even Christians who can get it legitimately want it and don't know how to get it. Because <laughs> they have the same affliction the devil had. Pride. Huh? Yes. But that unction from the Holy One where we know all things. Yes. It's an yes. unction. It's not a head that's full of knowledge swimming around all the time. Yes. An unction is something that you can tap into. Yes. It's a resource. Yes. It's like an a encyclopedia of yes. God on the inside of yes. you that you can yes. tap into any time to get an answer from God. And don't ever doubt that it's there. If you doubt it's there, it won't work for you. But if you know that you could go within when you have a problem, when you have a concern, and you can go within yourself and get an idea and, and a scripture and a plan and a strategy that will upset the devil's plan and confound him, the devil knows you have a pathway into God that he cannot keep you from getting to. Huh? He can make you think you can't get there anymore. 
and you start going around asking people for ideas. There's a lot of Christians that don't understand these things. You understand me? They have, you know, I had a dream and I'm looking for somebody to tell me what it is. Well, where did the dream come from? Oh, God give me dreams. Well, he'll give you the interpretation too. Go sit down somewhere. They don't mean nothing. And it didn't come from God. You're just going around and serve. That's another somebody the devil gets on his soul train. Huh? Yeah. That's all it is. They think they got gifts. I have gifts and I have abilities. You got nothing. If you got to run around and ask somebody what it means, you got nothing. You don't even have the sheep concept yet. He said, my sheep know my voice. Nobody else will they follow. If you don't know his voice enough to get an answer from him about a dream you, you say you had. Well, see, in this dream, I said, I tell people, I don't want to hear about it. You go back to God with that. No. I look like the Long Island medium to you. Oh, hide my nails. Hers are much longer than mine. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. You get into that kind of familiar spirit. People like to drag you over into that. So you can, what do I look like? I'm going to be a big deal because I can tell you what you think you heard from God about. Get real. So we have the wisdom of God. And we foil all of his plans every time. The unction from the Holy One and the wisdom that is from above will do that. His is from beneath. The devil's ideas, everything, come from a temporary world. Ours come from an eternal realm. So what was here from the beginning and is going to be here at the end can get rid of what's in the middle. Let's say it again. What was here from the beginning and will be here in the end will get rid of what's in the middle. That's how your sin was atoned for. Your sin came in the middle of God's plan for your life. His plan was at the beginning for you to be a son or a daughter of God, for you to do all the things that he's told you you're going to do in life and be successful at him. Adam and Eve sinned in the middle of that. Well, what was from the beginning is going to be to the end. God never does anything temporarily. What he does lasts forever. He's always had a plan to get us back, and he means to keep us. He's not going to lose us twice. And he don't have to kill you to keep you. Okay, don't get, don't get full of drama, okay? You can live and not die. Just be obedient. Satan hates the fact that he's beneath us. And he is easily overcome by one word from God. That one word from God that you love so much that sets you in the right place in your life, that's the same word that will drive him out of your life. One word from God will change your life forever, and one word from God will change him in your life forever. The Bible says it's simple. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. Hmm? You must believe that. Well, I've been telling the devil, no, keep telling him. He don't believe you yet. You know why he don't believe you yet? Because you don't believe you yet. When you convince yourself, then he'll move. He's easily removed by one word from God. The crucifixion is our best example. 1 Corinthians 2.8 tells you that. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8. And we're talking about true wisdom. Verse 6 said, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, that's Christians, mature in God, yet not the wisdom of this world. There's two wisdoms. The wisdom of this world and the wisdom that is of God. And he says, Nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. So everything Satan does comes to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before this world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. Satan, none of the uh, 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 kings and rulers from eons and eons and eons ago, none of them had the wisdom of God. They never were able to operate in this mystery 
which we know in the New Testament is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And he says, had they known it, verse 8, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had the devil known what he was doing when he couldn't keep his hands off killing Jesus, you see, he made everybody mad at him. Got religious people in the church against him. Got Caesar and that bunch against him. So the world and the church come together against the Son of God, the King of glory. And they crucify him and put him to death. But little did they know that he wasn't going to stay there. So you don't get rid of anybody who has eternal life by killing them. That's why we're not afraid of death as Christians. You understand what I'm saying? You can't kill us. Huh? We don't die. We multiply. And that's what happened with Jesus. When he got up, he got all them dead saints out of the grave, and they walked around the streets of Jerusalem. You get up one morning and you see your mama coming down the street again. And see if that don't convince you or something. She's been dead for 20, 15 years or something like that. And she out there walking around, new body, asking you, got any food? Huh? You better have some. Understand? Because it's a new day totally when that kind of stuff happens. But that's what happened in the streets of Jerusalem. And people could not deny that he was the son of God or that God had raised him from the dead. And the devil couldn't deny it either because the first thing he did was go through hell and get the keys of death and hell and the grave away from the devil. And so this is why Christians are not afraid of dying. Not if you really know God. You can't be afraid of dying. You know what I'm saying? When you're first saved, you might think about it and get a little scared. But then after a while, it dawns on you. You know what? If the devil could have killed me, he'd have killed me by now. I'm going to live out the length of my days. And when I die, I'm going to go on home to glory. And that's the end of the story. You understand me? And you can have faith and confidence in that and be satisfied with that. And not be afraid of, of old age or getting old or whatever. Give me some roller skates when I get 90. George W. Bush, they were talking about, you know, his father goes skydiving every birthday. And he's, what, 94, 95 now? And uh, they asked George W. Bush, the younger Bush, they said, well, what's your dad going to do? He said, oh, that guy's crazy. I don't know what he's going to do next. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that's what you need to be. You need to be crazy like that. Uh-huh. And do daring things in God and allow God to prepare you for that day, but not go just yet. you got things to do for God, but not fear that. Don't let the devil keep you afraid of everything. You know, overcome some of this stuff. But if they had known all of the trouble, if Satan had known all the trouble he would get into by crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ, he never would have done it. Because that caused him to lose his hold on humanity, which he loves keeping people scared of him. He loves keeping people scared of poverty, scared of sickness, scared of everything. Like he has power to put that on you after you're blood bought. Huh? And so when, he, when that fear is taken away from you, it's a whole other ball game for him. It's like his stuff don't work no more. And so he's got all these people running around and getting understanding of how to overcome him through the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And not being scared of losing their lives, you see. And so when you get like that, you get ruthless like that, the devil can't do anything with you. Number five reason the devil hates you. He is the God of this world only. Only. And he's losing his grip on it every day. Every time somebody gets born again, he loses his grip on it. We have eternal dominion over this world and an eternal estate while he's still looking for a place to live. And if you will shut the door to him, he can't live in you and he can't have anything that you possess either. You got me? And so we have to realize that when, when we, we have what he lacks, he's always trying to get it back. That's why he hates. That's why he hates you. That's why he hates me. So we have eternal dominion over this world and an eternal estate while he is looking for real estate. He's looking for a place to live. 
The Bible says that God has prepared a place for us. Jesus said that. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you will be also. And I, if I tell you I go to prepare something for you, you know I'm coming back for you. Huh? Which I'm not going to go in it real deep, but some of you women, if you're looking to get married, make sure he got a place for you and he ain't coming to your place. Just a thought. You understand what I'm saying? Because if, if he means business, he's coming back for you if he got a place for you. Amen. And you got the right address and you done been in there and you know what, you understand what I'm talking about. Come back with no three addresses and ain't none of them his. Let me look at my paper real good. Huh? And if he's still living in his mother's basement, just keep looking, okay? So he is the God of this world. We have eternal dominion over this world and an eternal estate while he's still looking for something. Everything he touches, he destroys. Okay? Everything the devil touches, he destroys. Everything we touch, it prospers. Amen. So he hates our prosperity. That's why people who teach prosperity get persecuted. If they teach it right, they get persecuted even more. Because they'll tell you there's conditions on all God's promises. So he is destroying more and more of the earth every day. And he can't help himself. His mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. So he can't do anything but that. He is running out of real estate fast and he's running out of time. The Bible says he only has a short time here and he's very angry about it. And he sees us as the only thing that stands between him and what he would do if he had total freedom to do everything he wants to do. So the church prevails over him, and the gates of hell don't prevail against us. All of the strategies of hell, all the devices of hell, do not prevail against us because Jesus has given us keys to his kingdom. Know what that means? That whatever is let in, we let it in. Whatever is kept out, we keep it out. And so the enemy does everything to keep us from using the keys. Keep you too busy to read your Bible, too busy to go to church, too busy to worship, too busy to pray, too busy to do all of these things, doing nothing. Because he's constantly, if what you're doing is not built on your faith and the strength of the word, he can easily shake it out from under you. All you got to do is let your 401k go down a few dollars. You got everything in company stock as long as the company's doing good. You're in good shape. But all he does is shake it a little bit. Give a little shake to it. Then you go running, screaming, trying to get it all back, wondering what to do now. Take it out of that, put it in something else, and that goes down. You've got to have a strategy from God, folks. You can't do this without God's help. You can't do it without his wisdom. So the enemy will try everything he can to keep us under his dominion from using the keys that we have been given To the kingdom of God. Number six reason is that reason. He has keys and he cannot, we have keys and he cannot take them from us. Why? Because you have to be uh, blood bought to use them. You got me? He's not that and he can never be that. So he must wait until we tell him what to do. Did you realize that? Satan really can't do anything on his own. You know, people in the church have said this for years. Oh, the devil's busy. I don't know what doing because I didn't lose him and give him permission to do nothing. If I did, it's a slip of the tongue and I'm going to repent real fast and call that back and get that rascal out of there. But in Matthew 16 and verse 19, it says that. Jesus told Peter, he said, you are Peter upon this rock. I will build my church, in other words, upon the rock of of a revelation as Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's what he builds a church on. If you haven't accepted him personally as your Lord and Savior, and the first thing he gives us is keys. Your keys are a token 
to your acceptance as an heir and as a son of God. So we're heirs and sons of God, day one that we're born again, thank you. We're blood-bought, we're purchased, we're adopted by God the Father, and we're the bride of Christ, all in one operation. You're all of that at one time. Why it takes us 10, 15 years to find all this stuff out, I'm not sure. But at least find it out. But you're all of that in one motion. When, when Jesus told Peter, he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this, my identity to you. Identity. What identity? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That means more than you think it does, Peter. It means more than you think it does. It means I'm your savior. It means I'm your Lord, your master. I'm your older brother. You are my heir. I'm also committed to you through life, through covenant. So really, it begins to be like a marriage when you talk about the father revealing the son to you. See, we don't do it in this culture, and it's, it's died out in so many cultures. But in proper cultures, your families connected and became one when you were married, when you connected with one another. And the fathers always approved of the sons and the daughters' choices. And what do you do when you get married in that type of relationship? You move into the, the marriage suite, into the family household, and you are given what? Keys. Keys mean everything. Because you can say we married, you can say we in love and all that, but until we move in together, legally, we ain't nothing. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, he my fiancé for ten years? Come on. You might feel better calling him that. You know what I'm talking about? But it ain't real. It ain't real because there's no vow, there's no covenant, there's no keys. Jesus gave them the keys before he went to the cross. Keys were a token. Huh? That you belong. You have a place. You belong to somebody. And it's real. See, keys is better than a ring. Nah, I'm messing with you. Get the ring. Get them both. <laughs> just saying. That ain't my business, but I'm just saying. Keys give you authority. Very powerful. Keys are very powerful. Huh? That brother can't tell you where he live. <laughs> I don't know why I keep going here. And you know he lives there like the car. It's a real place for the car to be and it's there all the time and that kind of stuff. And it's his car. Because, you know, people good at creating props and illusions and make sure he can go all over that house. Huh? You don't want to get stuck in the basement with nobody. Y'all too old for that. You know what I'm saying? It's cold down there and stuff. Your bones ain't even going to last a year down in no damn basement. So make sure he live all over the whole house. Got me? <laughs> they don't know what we mean, do they, Miss Nola? Do they, Jeez? They don't. We talking, telling you something's going to help you. Don't get so in love, you skip the essentials. These are essentials. See, you can be in love in, in engagement and wedding, maybe for a year later, but the essentials are forever. You got to get set up forever. Huh? And don't cut no corners. Tell me, I just love you. I don't care where we. Oh. <laughs> Baba, come to your house for real then. And 
get y'all straightened out. You care where you live. Don't be lying to that, brother. God makes you care where you live. He makes you care how you live. I'm not no gold digger. I never found a brother with enough gold to dig. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't take that up as no full-time occupation because it just wasn't there. You know, if I'd have found somebody, it might be a different story. But you know what I'm saying. you got to have the essentials taken care of. And you got to know God. you got to be willing to pray for it. you got to be willing to love and to serve and all of those things. But I'm saying there's a lot of women here loving and serving and carrying on and the essentials are not in place. So don't be like that. You just fell in love with Isaac. I mean Ishmael. Isaac is coming. It'll shock you how quick when Isaac does come, Ishmael will start looking funny to you. Just moving on. Let me. What was that? Number six. We have keys he cannot take from us. Okay. The thing he tries to do is keep you from using them. Scare you out of using them. You bind the devil. He start talking back to you. Let him talk. He got to move anyway. He got to obey you. Huh? If you don't like him talking back, tell him to shut up. He got to shut up too. You understand me? You don't have to take nonsense from him. And he got to leave and take his disease, his sickness, and everything else with him. You understand me? I'm not parking something there on your property and just going to let it sit for a minute. No, make him take all his junk with him. <laughs> okay, I'm not going there no more. When our words line up with God's word, that stops him dead in his tracks. Number seven, we have access to a name that frightens him to death, makes him tremble. Now, you know, if, if you're a normal human being, not many things frighten you sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But just the name of Jesus makes every devil in the place scared, nervous, and tremble. Just his name, the mention of his name. They hate the name so so much, he can't use it like you can. So he makes a cuss word out of it. That's all. He's so frustrated that the name don't work for him. He tries to condemn it by using it as a cuss word. That's all he can do is curse things to no avail. Because the minute you use it in the proper word, way, he has to bow to it. Huh? Got to do what it, you got to do what you tell him to do. Huh? I don't care how little you are in God. I don't care how young you are in God. It's the authority of that name that he has to respect, no matter who speaks it. Whoever uses it in the proper authority, he must bow to it. The devil doesn't know the power of that word. He can't use it, and it doesn't work for him. And that's why he hates you, because it works for you. Romans 14:11 says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means even the worst communist in the world is going to be confessing and bowing to Jesus one day. If not on this side, then on that side. But anybody all the haters are going to have to confess that he is Lord. And he will save some of them. You got me? If they'll do it and, and, and be repentant about it, he will save them. That's how great his love is. Satan knows that Jesus is Lord. And he knows the will of God. Because it's going in the opposite direction is a threat to him. Matthew eight twenty nine, The demons know that Jesus will torment them one day. They know they're on the way to hell. And they want to take as many of us with them as they can, as he can. Reason number eight, that he hates you. We are partakers of God's love and he cannot separate us from it. He cannot take God's love away from us. And he cannot keep God's love from reaching us. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. In other words, he loves everybody Even as sinners, he loves them 
that he gave atonement for our sins, gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's not God's will to send people to hell. Hell is a place prepared for Satan and his demons. Man. And it doesn't say God created hell. He prepared it for them. You know what preparation is? If I go home and I prepare a pie or a cake for you, I didn't go and chop that wheat and mill it in the flour and all that kind of stuff. I had ingredients assembled and I put together and made it a pie. Well, God had ingredients assembled and put them together and made it hell for the devil. You know what those ingredients were? They were what spewed out of the dragon's mouth. You look in Revelation chapter 12. All the hell and all the fire that spewed out of the dragon's mouth as he pursued the woman and the baby were gathered up and prepared for him. So God said, you like that stuff? You live in it. You got it forever. Amen. It's yours. So he gathered it up and prepared it for the devil, but the devil wants to take as many people down there with him as he can. Amen. And if we insist on just going his way, that's why God has got, God has got redemption planned for every sinner. Homosexuals think they're going to get away with what they're doing, but they won't. They will bow either on this side or that side. And I believe God's going to have a lot of them come to the knowledge of truth and bow on this side because he wants them saved. They've got families that care about them. They have people that love them. And this nonsense of putting up with their shenanigans is going to stop. And people are going to start to love them with the love of God. With the love of God. That will change them. Amen. That's what changes us. So we are partakers of God's love. Romans 8.39 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And this is all the stuff that the enemy throws at us. Romans 8. Verse 35, he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or the sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know why? If you're just scared of something and you never confront it, and it never attacks you, hmm? You're just at a standstill. But once it attacks you and you see you can overcome it and you know the way to overcome certain things, that takes the fear and the threat away from you. That's how you become more than a conqueror. In fact, you can become more than a conqueror and then you can go out and start to assail the devil on purpose. And see, that's why you become more than a conqueror and you become an attacker and his worst nightmare and his worst enemy. You see what I'm saying? And so it's one thing to not be scared or or know that something doesn't have power. But once you've proven that and you conquered and you're able to attack and assail, then you're dangerous to the enemy. Amen. And that's what God does. That's why he puts us through tests and trials so that we can see that that our words will overcome the devil. We can see that the keys are real. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. He said, I'll back you up on that. Whatever you loose down there, I'll loose down there. I'll back you up in that. Brother Copeland said he taught for four days on the believer's authority. And God said, I want you to kill that Ebola virus. Yesterday we saw the report in the uh, paper in Nigeria that that thing was dead. I mean, this stuff is real, folks. We're not just running around looking for devils everywhere and spooking people and trying to brag at what we can do. But this power is real if it's kept under God's authority and it's used the right way. It's not your power. If you, if you have keys, somebody's got to be the owner of the property. You only own your bit. You own the keys. You have the authority. God owns the whole world. Amen. Says the earth is his and the fullness thereof. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God's not broke. He owns everything. Amen. Number nine reason he hates us. We are the final heirs of everything in the world. Believers and sons and daughters of God are the final heirs of everything in this world. That's why you don't have to have it all. Number one, you can't take it with you. I mean, you could if you tried. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. 
But, you know, you, 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 that's foolish. You know, you don't need anything to take with you into eternity. But, but the thing that, that, that it is, is that you don't have to, this isn't all there is to your life. You know, these 70, 80, 90 years we spend down here on earth, this ain't all there is. So we don't have to fall out with nobody because we don't get every single thing (coughs) we wanted down here. God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. We get a do-over. God knows I want one. I mean, I love y'all and everything, but I would do things a totally different way in some areas. Some things I keep saying. You know what I'm saying? But there are things you look at and you say, God, I wish I'd known how to pray about this, this, and this back then. I could could have avoided it. You know what I'm saying? We all want some kind of a do-over. Live long enough, you want more do-overs. You understand what I'm saying? But, but God creates a new heaven and a new earth. You know what that means? New you. New husband. New wife. You know, people go to heaven. They say, well, I knew my whole family, but you weren't. You say if you had a marriage, you're not married to them anymore. In heaven, the Bible says you're like the angels. You're not married or given in marriage. But when the new earth is created, life will start on earth the way it did before and will live eternally. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'll do is I'll make sure I'm at the gym before I find my husband. I'll find him working out. Huh? Not eating too many Twinkies. You know what I'm saying. And me the same. Thin slip of a girl eternally. No, but we won't have those problems. The problems with weakness of the flesh and excess and all that, they won't be part of what our life will be. It'll be glorious. Amen. You won't remember the people that treated you wrong. You won't be up there hiding behind a bush trying to jump somebody and, oh, I can finally get them. We in heaven now. I can go, I can go snap them. And you ain't going to do that. There ain't going to be none. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So we're, we are the final heirs of the earth. Matthew 5, 5 says the meek shall inherit the earth. We are heirs of everything that God possesses. Amen. Abraham met him. El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth. Amen. And he would rather, he didn't take anything from the kings that offered him material things. He said, I don't want any man to say that they made me rich. He said, I serve him. He possesses everything. What I want your stuff for? He took it anyway, but some of it, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) But God had proven himself to Abraham. Then number 10, the reason the devil hates us, because we make him our footstool. Amen. He is our slave, not the other way around. We put our feet on him. In Hebrews 1.13, tells you about the ministry of angels. And their rank and order. <clears throat> but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit here on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That's what God told Jesus, his son. Said, sit right here at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. And if, he's, if, if the enemy is under his feet, he's under our feet. Because we are seated in heavenly places with Christ if you'll let yourself believe it. God never spoke that to an angel. He only spoke that to his son. Luke 20.43 tells us the same thing. Sit here until I make your enemies your footstool and the last enemy to be defeated is death. Which we conquer when we're raised up. And resurrection power and life in the last day with Jesus Christ. So the devil hates you for a real reason, folks. So I would take my list of ten and make sure I do all them. Huh? Make sure you believe all of those things. And then some. But get to understand why legitimately he hates you. Why he's out to try and stop you at every turn. Don't whine because God's given you everything you need to keep him in his proper place. He's got no business in your house. he got no business in your life. He's got no business talking to your children. He's got no business causing strife in your family and your community. He's got no business kidnapping children. He's got no business terrorizing people and cutting the heads off of Christians, all this kind of stuff. God is looking for people who know who they are and know they have a real enemy out there and who it is. 
There's not people hating you because you all that. There's just a devil trying to mess your head up and get you off the track of the real thing. See, he's trying to keep you in a place where he can keep you from using those keys and making sure he stays in his place. But, but Jesus told the church to occupy until he comes. That means to uproot devil, the devil out of everything. He's he got no right to anything. You hear me? He doesn't have a right to your toe jam. Huh? Your navel lint. He ain't got no right to that. He don't have a right to nothing. Your dandruff. He can't have none of that stuff. You understand me? And you keep him off of you. You keep him off your family, off your money, off your possessions, off your food, off your clothes. You know, I had a, 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 a milk that just refused to go sour. It had been there a month beyond the expiration date. I put my nose in there. It still smells fresh. Huh? I got enough nerve to go and smell it. And if it smells bad, I make it go in Jesus' name. You understand me? He got no right to my milk. I know I'm supposed to buy fresh milk, but I ain't buying it. I buy it when I get ready. You understand me? Can't make me do nothing with his deteriorating. Now, I know it's a lot. Ooh, you get sick. I ain't get you. Do I look sick to you? <laughs> I could probably skip a little milk sometime, but you know what I'm saying. I just... You know what I'm saying. You practice with things like that. You think I'm crazy? Practice it. Next thing, because see, we laugh at the milk thing, and next thing, he got your paycheck. That's right. Got your kids, got your clothes, your clothes wearing out. You can't keep them long enough to enjoy them and wear them. Well, I like new stuff. Don't make it like you have to get it, though. Spend that money on something else. Huh? Now, I don't want y'all buying Lucius nothing. No, I'm, I'm done with it. Okay. He's purdy. It's okay. They can be purdy all they want to, but listen, listen. But they better be purdy in God. Amen. Be God's pick for you. Amen. Start lining it up with God in your prayers. Amen. Things that you know you desire out of life and God desires for you, that spouse is a very big and important part of it. You know, don't see yourself doing stuff on your own. That's not a marriage, man. It's not a marriage. Those people are your partners. You can't overlook them. You can't run over them. You can't get rid of them. You know, unless y'all know something about snapped or something. But you, how much time do I have, little Howard? I'm about done. Huh? Ten minutes. I just got in the snap. No, we're we're. I'm done, really. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding and. Lord, we're going to make the enemy our footstool. He is our footstool. Satan, we take authority over you. We break your power in the name of Jesus. We forbid you to rise up. You stay under our feet. We forbid you to rise up. We forbid you to rise up. Can't have us or anything that we have anything to do with. Whether we own it or not, we have authority for God's kingdom. We're bringing a kingdom here. Not for us personally, but it's a principle. That we work for God. We desire to move mountains out of the way of good things to happen for people with the power of God. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us dominion authority to work on your behalf down here on earth. And we thank you. The enemy does not have this. He cannot get it. And he can't keep us from using it. And we thank you for giving us that honor and that privilege as your bride and as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and we'll pray for you.